Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. The following is a paid program. The views or claims made are not necessarily those of WILK staff, management, or sponsors. It's time for Laurie and Lynn. Local talk to start your weekend right. And now, Laurie and Lynn on WILK. Good morning, everybody. You're listening to the Laurie and Lynn Show this morning. We hope you're having a nice Saturday morning. Um, Lynn, hi. Hi. How was your week? My week was great. It was really uh, quite um, full. And um, I know that you and I were speaking. Well, we're recording this on Thursday. So you and I were speaking yesterday. And I was... um, I had the phone down and I had it on speaker because I was getting myself out of the house and I drove to Philadelphia at 1230 and I was back home by 10 o'clock. <laughs> I didn't know you didn't. Yeah. You neglected to mention that. I'm sorry. That's all right. But there I was in Center City and it was an absolutely great day. Where were you? Would you have to I do- went to, the uh, uh, first one was a meeting with two other people. I was being introduced to a person who is a certified financial planner and um, a woman who owns, uh, her name is Stephanie McCulloch, and she is a woman who owns a business called Sophia Financial. Okay. And I forgot to ask her where Sophia came from, but I, I'd love to know. Anyway, uh, a friend of ours, mutual friend, introduced us and we had a meeting at La Colombe, which is a wonderful um, uh, coffee shop on Where? 19th. Oh, 19th. Right off Rittenhouse Square. Oh, okay. So Love it. She and I sat there for, really, it was about two hours and we had a fabulous conversation. Which and side the, of Rittenhouse? The, um, I don't know. The north or south? I have no idea. Okay. Don't know. All right. I well, just could know. be east or west. No, 19th runs the other way, so it'd have to be north or south. Okay. I would say it would be south because yeah. when I got out I was going to ask there, you if it was across from that. I think it's called an American cafe. It's called something cafe. It's right on the corner. Did you see it? Yeah. Was it? So it's right across the street there? Yeah. All right. Okay. So, so it, after I left there, I walked. I went to the right and the first light was a section of Rittenhouse Square. So when I got across okay. the street, then I walked around and up to the Rittenhouse the, the Rittenhouse Hotel? Yes. My favorite in the world. And we had, um, I was invited to attend a meeting of a group of women called WCXO, and I'm not sure what all that stands for, but it was a private uh, women's networking organization. And I was invited to be there for that uh, social event that evening. Nice. And so it was up on the fourth floor of the Rittenhouse. Don't you love that hotel? It's beautiful. I'm telling you, I've been to a lot of hotels. Mm-hmm. Other than, th- that doesn't sound good. <laughs> <laughs> you want to you clean that up? <laughs> well, I've been to a lot of hotels. But um, I... <laughs> But did you stay in them? Here's the question. Well, no, for a while. Just like a no, short did, we say. <laughs> kidding. But my favorite. 
You. TMI. Um, But I was at the Grand Wailea in Maui, which was is incredible. They have an open air lobby, which was unbelievable. But probably right underneath that, to me, is the Rittenhouse. I love the Rittenhouse because it's a cool city. Yeah. It's a beautiful downtown city, easy to get to. The The rooms are beautiful, the bathrooms, the showers. It's fabulous it in is. there. I love it. And I love Rittenhouse Square anyway. So, nice. yeah, I think it's great there. But I think my second favorite one, or maybe it would have been my first, is the Four Seasons. Yeah, nope, nope. And that's no more. But Yeah, the um, one in, on JFK. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But that's no more. So um, that's the reason why I understand that all of this was going on at the Rittenhouse, because the woman who runs this organization... Yeah. Yeah. used to do everything at the Four Seasons. Oh, and when so that closed, she, goes there. Okay. she decided Rittenhouse would be the next place. Well, you know my favorite line, don't you, about the Four Seasons? No, what? I was just Someone said something about camping. I said, my idea of camping is the Four Seasons. Uh, yeah. A night at the Four Seasons. <laughs> That's camping enough. You have to bring stuff with you. That's, That's it. enough. Okay. There that works. Go. So I met some really interesting women. Um, there's just some very um, outgoing, helpful, interested women who really wanted to help me with the things that I was doing. And was I got cards and promises to send this, send that, let's get going, let's do this. So I really, um, the day was fabulous. It was very productive and very inspiring. So by the time I left there and got out, everything was fine. I got home, straight shot, didn't stop once. But it was interesting that um, you see how when you get out onto JFK Boulevard, there's so much traffic. And it was 730 at night. And I would think by now, you know, should be no. But it was just backed up traffic. As I got out onto um, 76, a lot of backed up traffic. Always. And as I kept going farther, I guess it's west and then north, it just kept diminishing each time I went uh-huh. to one of the uh-huh. stops, the exits. And by the time I got to the Poconos, I was the only person on the road. Yeah, There was nobody behind me and no one in front of me. Uh-huh. And that was good in the sense that it was a straight shot home. Yeah. But it was just kind of uh-huh. weird. But I told Pat on the way down, I saw something I hadn't seen before. On, uh, it was about a mile or so before the Lehigh Valley exit. There was a car that was off to the side of the road and some other cars that had been around it and every the traffic just slowed down to a dead stop and i looked over to my right and that car was in flames wow just black smoke rising up from it and i just kept saying well i hope there's nobody in it and I hope as you're passing by, it doesn't blow well, up. Well, that's exactly yeah, what I said happened. to Pat. I said, I don't know if I should stop here mm-hmm. or if I should keep going because any second that gas tank. Yep, can right. Go. That happened. Well, first of all, my car caught on fire once yes. in a parking lot. Mm-hmm. But also, I went by a car that was on fire and that's all I was then. I don't even remember when this was. Um, not too long ago. And I thought, dear God, we're going to go by and it's going to blow up. Yeah. I mean, that's all I thought of. But my car was parked. And yes. we were in the dentist's office. My kids, they were younger, and the and some guy came in and said, there is yellow smoke, like whitish yellow smoke coming off your hood of your car, and of this car. And they came in, and it was mine. And I ran out, and I grabbed everything out of it, which I probably shouldn't have done, but I did because I there were things in there. Yeah. And it complete the whole front end just totally burned right out the 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 um, what is the engine fell onto the macadam. It was it was oh. bad. It was did, bad. Did they say what happened? No, I it was I was t boned in that oh. car years before, like a year or so before it. And and when I talked to at the time Greg Santo who owned 
um, Volvo that mm-hmm. I had leased the car from, he he said to me, this is the third time he's heard where a car had been T-boned, repaired, and back on the road that it, it caught spontaneously caught on fire. All right. So it's scary to see that. It really is. Yeah. But anyway, but actually the gas tank, I think they're in the back, aren't they? Well, it depends on the know. car. Yeah, I think um, Volvos are, though. Yeah, they usually are in the back. So I don't know, but anyway, it, it just, yeah, it... But I couldn't see how far it was engulfed, you know what I mean, from yeah, where I was coming. It's scary. And I just thought, whoa, I don't know where it, that's and going. And you're like, mm, get right well, was, by it. Yes, exactly. So I accelerated quite a lot. Uh-huh. And, that was my... <laughs> Did you notice that? I did. Put it in go forward, Frank? Yeah. I know. So, Johnny's laughing at me for my car noises. <laughs> Lucas, are you laughing at my car noises? Yeah, no, we say no. Um, you know, I have to give a big shout out to Mike Culinary. Do you know that? who Mike is? Mike is the owner of the Mulberry Bush on Mulberry mm-hmm. Street. Mm-hmm. And so we were there yesterday getting our tree. My, mm-hmm. I get like a smaller one I put in a pedestal stand. And um, he said he listens to us. So I want to give him a big shout out. He works very, very hard. He and his wife, Helene, they do a great job with everything they do there. And um, I don't know many people who work as hard as... Mike does for years and years. I know him forever because he did all the work for Third National Bank all those years ago that I worked there. Uh-huh. And uh, wonderful guy and beautiful trees. So big shout out to Mike and Helene Culinary. Well, I also want to say the Tuesday night of this week, I went to a place I'd never been to before in our area of northeastern Pennsylvania, which is called Dundee Gardens. Uh-huh. Oh, I've been there. And I, I had never, never been there. Didn't uh-huh. know the place existed, but I was there for a, a social event and I was just... I was awed. Probably How the about right the word. stuff they have there? Oh my God, it was beautiful. <laughs> I know. I and know. there was room after room uh, after room. I mm-hmm. just felt like this was a, does it ever end? I know. But every, there was just so much, it was overwhelming, though, I have to say. And most of the women I was there with walked out with bags, which yeah. I was very happy about. Mm-hmm. So that worked out well. And um, it was just nice to be there. I, I drove with a, a few other women from here, from um, Scranton, and, and we drove down. And it was a really nasty night, Tuesday night. Yeah. Rain, fog. Ugh, it was horrible. I was just happy to actually be in a situation where I sat in a passenger seat. There you I, go. Ha ha. Yay. <laughs> yeah, it was so nice just not to think about it. But uh, we had a great conversation. I was there with... Uh, some other women that um, I don't know if they want me to mention their names, so I won't. But anyway, um, friends who are all different ages. And we were talking about some of the things that we do for Christmas, the traditions uh-huh. and the families. And uh, it was fascinating to me to hear we were first talking about Thanksgiving and and how um, what people make for Thanksgiving. Because part of it, besides the turkey, the rest of it is a lot of it would be things that have to do with family traditions. And one woman was talking about making raviolis that um, were definitely part of of the whole scene. So she actually made them which is a very labor-intensive oh, yeah. thing to make. So she just made lots of those. And we're talking about gnocchis you that they them. got into that. Some make with potatoes, some with ricotta, with, right, some with right. pumpkin, some with... Yep. And I, I said, how can you eat all that? Those things are like belly bombers, mm-hmm. you know? You hit Well, now it depends on what you use. Some of them are very, very light and pillowy. Well, but you Others could never can feel eat like them, boom. right? 
No, not unless there's gluten-free flour used yeah. in them. No. Okay. Mm-hmm. But I do have in my freezer a f- gluten-free gnocchi. They do make them. So okay. it's, yeah, uh, I haven't had a ravioli, but I'm not, I've never been a fan of ravioli anyway. So I, I but what I love that people do in mostly Italian families, they do the, all the turkey and all the, these sides, but yeah. they additionally have one red sauce side yes. that they do. And most people from what I, you know, hear it's ravioli. Yeah. Now Christmas, that's another story, but Thanksgiving, it's usually one See, I've never, and I love that. I think that's great to keep that kind of tradition. I've never had anything like that. I mean, in our well, family. Then, well, you're not Italian. Well, I know, but I'm just saying I was going to say that, you know, for a lot of things, uh, my grandparents on my mom's side had a lot of uh, Polish, Lithuanian, that whole ethnic group had things that they did. I know I never went there because the thought of it would gag me, but uh, but uh, really, but uh, Christmas Eve at my grandparents' house, my mom's parents, they all had the seven fishes and they would have the things that were, um, I don't even know what they are. There's just... Yuck. Yeah, um, but they're in a, a heavy cream and and there's no, some no, kind no. of a dried fish and <sighs> and all that stuff and and she would, you know, she used to do that as a kid. Yeah, and I well, would the just Italians say, and they're and all no. of their um, seven fish at Christmas Eve and that's very traditional and people do it. And I think it's great, but I just there's only a couple of those fish that I would. One. Like well, we they got bacala and smelt, yes, smelt, yeah, How do you I, say it? Smelt, uh, smelt. Yes. Well, I like to, sh- I like to add the. Sh- <laughs> That's to what it. I'm saying. That's why I'm no, saying. No, I can't that. handle those. But we somehow that got morphed into what we did at our house, which was we would have lobster tails and shrimp. I like that. And all that, right up my yeah, alley. So that was our Christmas Eve I dinner. I like it, and I love it. Do you I still do that now? No. Do you do anything on Christmas Eve? No, but we're doing something a little different this year. I'm going to my sister's, and okay. she thought we might want to have our big Christmas dinner on Christmas Eve. Oh, God. And then go someplace else on Christmas Day. And okay, I said, well, well all right. No, but I, I said, like why don't, uh, if you don't want to cook anymore, why don't you let Mara and I make do something? Do the work, yeah. We'll do something. Mm-hmm. So that'll be go. different. Well, we'll talk more about our um, <sighs> events coming up in the next okay. few weeks. So we are going to take a very quick break, and we have our representative from VREC up with us next. So we will be right back. You're listening to the Laurie and Lynn Show. It's Saturday morning with Lori and Lynn. Now, back to Lori and Lynn. Hi, everybody. Welcome back. You're listening to the Lori and Lynn Show. I'm Lori Cadden, the owner of Lori Cadden Enterprises, which is a fundraising PR and special event business. And I'm Lynn Evans, and I am the managing director of a new business called Women of Substance, LLC. It's designed to help erase illiteracy among financial, I'm sorry, among baby boomer women. I'm also the author and host of a podcast called PowerThePursePodcast.com, available on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. And our guest expert, first guest expert this week, is Dr. Nicole DeNova, who, as she says, is the head cheese at the uh, Veterinary Referral and Emergency Center in Clark Summit. Welcome, Dr. DeNova. Hi, how are you? Hi, Good. Dr. Genova. So what would you like to talk about today? Um, I was thinking, you know, obviously for, for obvious reasons, we often talk about um, financial issues and 
um, everybody's pets because really pets have become their children. But I was thinking just because of the timing, it might be a little bit smarter to talk about some of the things that are happening in all of our worlds right now because obviously it's December and we're coming up to holidays. Um, and there's a number of things that can uh, get our pets into trouble. And so I thought it might be smart just to kind of introduce some ideas about safety around the household and the holidays because although everybody might immediately think oh my cat and the christmas tree there's actually so much more going on um you know wrapping paper and ribbons for cats and dogs they love to eat things cats you know think tinsel is fascinating but so do dogs um family will bring um, treats over, uh, not just for us, but maybe for your pets, and there's potential toxicities in those treats. So there's lots of different things um, to kind of consider. Um, well, let's jump in and start somewhere, because I know I, <laughs> I have the issues with the cats, cats and the Christmas tree. So mm-hmm. besides that, what else is there to free, we should know about? Well, so let's let's just talk about the first place, the tree. So um, I have, unfortunately, as a surgeon, removed some of the most bizarre things from animal stomachs and intestines. Um, and so you might not, it, it may be counterintuitive, but I have actually removed um, sort of glass globes and all of the tree ornaments, whether it is the hooks or the metal tops or the actual ornament itself, dogs will often just, you know, you think, why would you eat a globe of glass? What are you doing? But who knows what it is that attracts them to it, the smell, the sight, the taste. Um, but just be very careful because depending on the cat or the dog or whatever pet in the household, those types of ornaments, if left kind of unattended or low enough in the tree that they can get a hold of them, um, they can be ingested. And then obviously not only is it the structure of that object but what is it painted with sometimes it's painted with metallics those can be toxic you know the sparkle in the materials um the actual lights themselves you know cats and dogs can play with something they can actually get electrocuted they get these terrible oral burns because they're chewing through the electric wires um you know and then of course the worst thing is they knock something over uh, start a fire i mean it's all of this kind of concept um Tinsel hanging on trees, that's a famous one. Dogs and cats both um, will eat tinsel. And because it is a long, thin object, and I don't know if you've ever done this, but if you sort of grab a piece of tinsel and try and just pull it apart, it's very difficult to break. And when an object like that is ingested and it enters the intestines, that long, thin thing kind of gets stuck and the intestines are trying to push it forward and it can't so then the intestines kind of accordion up onto that long strand of tinsel and over a very short amount of time it can actually cut through the intestines so they become very very sick so you know the dangers are there um and you might you might just think it's innocent enough but it's it's crazy what these kids can get into um The other real common ones are, you know, sometimes we bring in holiday plants. Those can be incredibly, so like holiday uh, poinsettias and sometimes some lilies and things like that. Those are very toxic, especially to kitty cats. It doesn't take much of an ingestion, and it can um, cause what we call acute renal failure, so their kidneys just shut down. Mm. Um, And then... You know, treats, the foods that we have. So we're, we're just having family over and, you know, wanting to spoil everybody with lots of yummy things. But there are flavorings and processings and sweeteners. Um, one of the famous 
more recent ones is something called um, xylitol. So we know of it in gum, and so dogs can sometimes eat pieces of gum, but also now they're starting to use it in sort of cho- <laughs> chocolate peanut butter um, <laughs> treats. And so if, you know, if somebody gives you a treat either for one of your dogs or even for you, just be very cautious that, you know, they can't get access to it unless you know the exact ingredients, um, you know, or grandma says these are homemade and you know that there's no chemicals in there, the preservatives, things like yeah. that. So, I mean, we're glad that we are who we are and where we are, but we certainly don't want to see you, especially around the holidays because of some accident like that. <laughs> and all of this yeah. has to be true because you heard the bark in the background. So that was, yeah. <laughs> that was like verifying. She's right. That's bark. right. No. <laughs> Love it. Aww. Yeah. You know, you don't think about it, but I thought that that poinsettia thing, so you cleared it up, but I, somebody, you know, you hear it and then someone said it was a, a lie, like a fallacy. So it's not. No. It's true. Yeah. They are not. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Nicole, what about some of the other holiday plants, like things like paper whites and amaryllis, and are any of those also on that list? You know, that's a good question. Off the top of my head, I don't have an answer to say yes, but I wouldn't want to assume no. But what I would just suggest is, um, you know, even that, let's say you just asked me that question and I thought, oh, I just bought one of those in my household. I'm a veterinarian. I should know better than that. You know, just do a quick search and see what information is out there. There's so many different plants and different parts of different plants can be toxic. Um, And quite honestly, there's no way even a veterinarian can remember all of the different toxicities from the natural plants that we bring in our households. Um, If you call a toxicity center, um, you know, like the ASPCA has a wonderful, um, you know, 1-800-TOXIC-PET um, phone number that you can access, they too will, I mean, obviously if it's a common one, they probably know it, but they'll often look it up as well, so. And what about, you mentioned something about the treats. So uh, other than the fact that we know that dogs and chocolate are not a good mix. Absolutely. uh, what are some of the other things that uh, I, I think, and here's where I'm going with this. I know that a lot of times people think they're doing the right thing by giving sure. a dog literally a bone, you know, that has meat on it. And yes. that is not a good idea, right? Right. So we, I don't know if everybody is aware, there was recently a very large recall. A company had some um I think they were sort of stock bones that you could purchase actually in pet stores. And it turned out that not only were those bones shattering and splinting into um, pieces that could cause problems in the GI tract, obviously perforations and things of that nature, but there was some chemical process about them. Nobody still understands what it was, but many, many dogs, something like 50 some odd dogs have died across the nation from eating these. And what more horrific thing than you buy something in a pet store, you bring it home and your dog gets sick and dies because of it. Um, Bones in general, we just recommend, you know, everybody thinks that you should give your dog a bone, uh, but unfortunately some dogs will uh, still manage to shatter splinters of that bone, and if they ingest that, I mean, obviously think about it. It's a, it's a spear of hard material that can cause all kinds of trouble. Um, well, why, things like, why, did that, why did people start doing that? Why was that a good idea in the first place? Well, I think, you know, look, I just had a conversation with a client 
who, um, and this is a different issue, but she was feeding her dog raw diet. And I said, well, why do you feel that you need to do that? And she said, because when the dog was out in the wild, and I said, but your dog's not in the wild. And your domesticated dog has not been in the wild for, you know, hundreds of years. Um, so they don't really need, in fact, they need things to be cooked and they need certain additives. Um, you know, everybody thinks if you talk to your grandfather, your great grandfather, they'll tell you, I used to just, you know, we'd cook a chicken and throw it out for the dog. He did fine. And your dog was yeah. lucky those little bones you know so there we're we i think we're just pulling back from how utilitarian we once were authoritarian we once were with animals um yeah. and now we have the ability we know what they need dietetically and nutrition wise the minerals and elements um so I think people just do it because you think a dog should be eating bones because they once upon a time had to hunt for their food. But that would yeah. be like, you know, us going out there with spears and, you know, it just doesn't make any sense anymore. <clears throat> you know what's important, too? You know what's important, too, I think, Nicole, because so many people at Christmas think giving a pet kitten or dog is a good thing and don't you think that that is something that really should be looked into before you spring that on a family who may not be ready to have that responsibility? Absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, people, you know, it's one of those things, again, it's an impulse um, adoption, impulse buy. Uh, often it's the buy. Um, cats are one thing uh, because in some ways, you know, as long as cats are kept indoors and you provide the appropriate nutrition and litter boxes and so they can be amazingly loving pets. But with dogs, because of the many, and somewhat with cats, because of the many different breeds, you really need to do your homework about what you're getting into. Um, you know, this can be, in some cases, an 18-year commitment. This is no joke. Yeah. Um, and so small, large, what are their health issues? Can you afford those health issues if they should crop up? Um, you know, it's like anything else. It's, it's essentially adopting a child. So you have to take on all those responsibilities. Um, and I know it's that loving feeling you want to just, it's, you know, the surprise and the, oh, my gosh, daddy got us a puppy. But when that puppy grows into a young adolescent destructive dog or starts, you know, having some health issues, you just have to be prepared for those. And I absolutely agree with you. You know, spend some time to research. And the insurance part, which I think is always a good thing, is get, if you do do it as a little puppy or kitty cat, get insurance immediately, right? Isn't that absolutely what? Promote it all the time, every day. Uh, we hand out pamphlets to multiple clients every single day. Absolutely. Okay. It's such and a good peace one, of mind, and it covers so much. Which ones do you recommend? There's a lot of them out there. Um, there's so many out there, and they're all really good. So I would say, you know, I don't have a horse in the race, pun intended, but, um, you know, do your research. Figure out what's best for you. We, I will say that I've had some experience working with Pet Plan. They're quite, quite good. Um, Vetpanion is another one. Um, National has an insurance system that's excellent. Um, the ASPCA has them. Uh, the only word of caution is that there are vet hospitals, so these corporate vet hospitals across the country that have what they sort of promote as an insurance. It's not actually an insurance. It's a plan only through their hospital. So it's kind of like you're almost doing a prepay system, and you can only use it so if VCA is where you purchase it, you can only use it at a VCA. So just be very, very cautious that people are aware of the differences between insurance and a sort of health plan that they purchase through a specific corporate type of veterinary hospital. Okay. okay. And Nicole, yeah. tell everybody how they can reach you. 
Sure. The hospital is uh, 570-587-7777. We have a website, which is vrecpa.com, and our Facebook, Instagram, Twitter accounts um, are all under the same, which is vrecpa, and I just wish everybody a happy and safe holiday. Thank, thank you very much, and to you, too. And yes, we will thanks. see you next month, um, and mm-hmm. we will be right back with our next guest expert, Doc, um, Doctor, how about that? I'm giving her another <laughs> title, Attorney Barbara, Attorney Barbara J. O'Hare. We'll be right back. You're listening to this morning to Laurie and Lynn Show. It's Saturday morning with Laurie and Lynn. Now, back to Laurie and Lynn. Hi, everybody. Welcome back. You're listening to the Laurie and Lynn Show. I'm Laurie Cadden. I'm the owner of Laurie Cadden Enterprises, which is a fundraising, PR, and special event business. And I am Lynn Evans. I am the managing director of Women of Substance, LLC, which, as I've discovered in the last couple days, my... Uh, describing of that is that it's an intention to erase the of uh, well my brain is dead this morning to, to erase the financial illiteracy of women that's a big one so anyway um, I also have a podcast called power of the purse it's available on iTunes Stitcher and Google Play okay well with us today is the lovely and talented Miss Attorney Barbara J. O'Hara, who is a partner with Hughes, Nichols, and O'Hara on Drinker Street in Dunmore. Ba- Barbara has been practicing family law for 36 years. Yay. So if there's nothing this woman doesn't right. know, right, you about family right law. About there we Thank go. You. There we go. It's all, uh, always nice to be here. And the last two months, we went over some of, like, 10 different myths, but we only got to six. Barbara, the last can, we tell, can we tell, Lynn and I have been talking about this, and we were t- t- telling a lot of our guests. If you bring this, this kind of thing, we said, and, and with Barbo Harris, they're so informational that we, she's been on two or three times and we're only at seven. Yes, <laughs> we're only so at seven. Lot. That's good because, because there's you know a lot what, of info. conversation. Right, right, right. So that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Right. So, so if you want to know the other six, you have to listen to our... Listen up, baby. Uh, yeah, yeah. Listen to our iTunes The best podcast. of. Yes. Yeah, Lori and sure. They're very nice. Um, so we are now up to myth number seven. Myth number seven is because they are more cautious in entering marital relationships and also have a strong determination to avoid the possibility of divorce, children who grow up in a home broken by divorce tend to have as much success in in their own marriages as from intact homes. And actually, that's not true. Uh, Uh, The children of divorce, unfortunately, have a higher rate of divorce from their own marriage than do their friends who come from intact families. Why? And they say it's basically because they see their parents as role models. And uh, unfortunately, they learn by observing their parents. I read other statistics where they said the children of divorced families are more likely to either not marry at all or have a marriage and end up in divorce, which is a real sad thing. Uh, it is sad, but I'm hoping my kids err on the the op the other end of it. <laughs> you mean don't get married at no, all? No, 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 no. That because obviously statistics will be one doesn't, the other does. So yeah, I'm hoping yeah. they're on that. Because I think a lot of that has to do with that. And I can only speak because I, for both of you, you're not divorced. Lynn, you don't have children. I can say from a divorced mother, and my children are, you know, Tommy's not married yet. Sean is still 23. So I don't know what will happen. Mm-hmm. But I pray that what they saw, um, and they spent more time with me, um, you know, being there, is that I hope they will take as much as they can 
of what they see with that, you know, that, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Strength and to persevere and to do That's those true. things. That it doesn't That's necessarily true. have to mean it's it's over. And I think in addition to that, if you have a positive role model who's the opposite sex in your life, which my children have been fortunate enough to have right. within a year after their dad and I were not together, not divorced, because of course when you and you know this, Barb, when you divorce a lawyer, it takes forever. It took me set took seven years. Um, but yeah. they had positive role they models. They had a po- lots of positive, of but also. Meyer being in my life. We don't live together, but they saw that kind of relationship where Mm -hmm. it was helpful. And I'm just hoping they can they they can glean that kind of that it doesn't have to be the other way. And what I've read in looking at at surveys and and articles is that a child learns by role model. Okay, so uh, when they they talk about, you know, are you better off breaking up when you have kids or staying together, you do want to be really careful about the role models that your children observe. Right. If they observe that mom's getting beaten up or mm-hmm. that dad treats mom with little respect, unfortunately, that's going to carry down to the next generation. Right. How does a, a boy treat a woman? How does a son treat a woman? How dad treated mom. Mm-hmm. So if dad if dad is showing mom very little respect, unfortunately the adult or the teenage boys may repeat that too, and also show very a great deal of disrespect to their mother. And also that uh, that a daughter may look at this and say, well, that's, that's what the, I deserve. That's what I deserve. Yeah. Uh-huh. Or that's the appropriate way to be treated uh-huh. yeah. and well, to accept subpar treatment. Well, and, and in psychotherapy, will t- they will tell you that children do the exact same thing as a parent or the exact opposite. Right. So I've seen that in situations, which I won't name, but I know the father and mother and then their children. And you can see the difference between how one father, one son fathers their children versus what the other son does. Mm-hmm. And they are one does the exact and other does the exact. It's so funny, the exact opposite. Right. Mm-hmm. So hey, you yeah. know what? It's interesting to, to see that that juxtaposition yeah and you say boy what what caused that difference Mm -hmm. why did one choose to go the right way and the other one choose to go the wrong way Mm -hmm. so but we're we're now seeing trends in that because you know yeah you have to see so much more because divorce is so what is the average divorce rate between now nowadays there you go higher than you have staying together right if you have 52% of the population getting divorced, you should be able to do these studies and say, okay, what what's happening with society and what's happening to their children and things like that. And you are starting to see more and more studies coming out like that. Barbara, do you see, and this is something I think it's it's kind of neat to look at, when you look at divorce and you, you, you in that old and I know for normal circumstances, no substance abuse ab- abuse in any way, but just normal. Sadly, that's more normal, uh, right? But yeah. what I'm saying is, say you're the norm. That once someone must describe to me, and I think I've talked about this on the show before, that marriage is like a diamond. That in the middle, in the beginning, you're as close as you can possibly be, and as life changes and kids and all the stuff, you become as far as you can, you apart as can be. But if you stick it out and come together, and the kids start going to college 
collagen moving. You can bring back that sense if you stick that, it's the middle of the road kind right. of thing. So, and, and I think they're the hardest years of marriage. They are, but do you find people who come to you for divorce who are in that middle stage or just beneath it? Or do most divorce, do you see, does most divorce, divorce occur because there is infidelity or abuse in some way? Actually, whether it's, it's all over the line. All over? Okay. So you see different categories. You see the the um, the abusive relationship. You see the um, the drug abuse or alcohol abuse uh-huh. relationship. You see the infidelity, and then you see growing apart. And growing okay. apart really can 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 be anywhere along the line. I mean, some you see that have waited until the kids got the out kids of college are, got, or, are yeah. out of high school or whatever. Uh-huh. But realistically. My own personal opinion is those years, the chauffeuring years, as I call them, mm-hmm. they're where you're running in different directions right. for all, all the kids, and the kids' needs are so much greater than than your own. Little. Yeah, it's very easy to let your relationship go, mm-hmm. and so I. I think that's what my harder. husband and I did is we did date nights just to keep it alive, to keep the couple yeah, alive. I like that. because that's and went you made away an on effort to do it and made it. Yes. Yeah. And I think it's because to. of my practice that I said, I'm going to make that it. effort. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so you plan to do something as a couple. And you know what? It, it's a healthy thing to be away from the constant chauffeur yes. and the constant, you know, one night of the weekend. Or I think that's nice. One I night think, every every two weeks uh-huh. or something. And you then do you it go whether you're tired couple. or not. You do it because it's important to do it. Well, what I found is if I got a babysitter, then you're committed to doing yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. Right. So if you line line things up, and originally my husband said, "Well, that's not spontaneous." Well, once you have a babysitter needed in the mix, nothing spontaneous. Yeah. <laughs> so you either. <laughs> <laughs> so, I get it. So, you know what? That's, um, that, that's my own personal experience. Okay. Myth number eight. Following divorce, the children involved are better off in step families than in single pa- parent families. What this, this article is saying is the facts are that step parents' families are no better than single parent families, even though the income level might be significantly higher. Uh, and there's a father figure in the home, step-parent families have their own unique set of problems and conflicts. Yes. What they're saying is, I've read statistics that 60% of the second marriages fall apart, yep. and it's usually problems with the children Kids, from, yeah. from each marriage mm-hmm. because... Favoritism or whatever happens. Favoritism or lack of favoritism, you know, kind of like, well, my child's not being treated as well, or I don't like how he disciplines the kids, or the kids just don't blend together. Not everybody's a Brady Bunch, you know, so... There's a story. Your, your own family is very unique, and how you're raising your children may be very different than how your next husband or wife is raising their kids, and there's an awful lot of conflict there. And I see a lot of people in, in therapy that they want to keep their second marriage alive, and there's a lot of problems with the kids from the first from both of them. I, I think personally it is just, it's got to be, and I don't know from experience, but I can't imagine what it must be like blending a family and trying to make that work when you have your own just raising your own children you know what those mm-hmm. issues are and then you're putting in them it's that's got to be I think it's the very, hardest very... thing to do after you do something else which is exactly probably why you said there's so much second failure in that regard yeah. I think it's easier and Lynn you can attest to this I'm just grateful that Meyer has I mean I really am the no children yep. it, because there's not 
that everybody has feelings. Everybody is affected. Yeah. And everybody has an opinion. Yes. So, you know. Right, Lynn, you, 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 you please some. Well, I lived in a, on both sides of it because my mom remarried and I developed, I had now had three new siblings that oh, I never had okay. before. Right, right, right. So that was very interesting to see how that all integrated. Yeah. And, you was know, we're all adults. Yes, it was fine. But we were all adults. We were all pretty much out of the house or married or Mm -hmm. whatever. So it wasn't as much of an issue. Mm -hmm. But there still was. You know, what do you do Christmas? What do you do? The holidays were still a pull back and forth. And then there were claims of favoritism. And somebody was exercising more power. And, oh, my God, Mm -hmm. please. But I can also attest to the fact that um, I'm a Mm step-parent. So when I married my husband, he had one son who at the time was about... um, I think he was about 16 or 17 years old. He had a very, very, very difficult teenage childhood type thing. Mm-hmm. And really, honestly, I'm going to say to my own credit, I was probably the most stabilizing yes. force uh-huh. in his life. And I just, um, i that's just my I mother that too, was part of me. That, you the, know? that the step-parent <clears throat> ends up being very stabilizing. Because yes. you don't have that emotional tie right. as the other ones with the, the biological conflict. Yeah. But then you see the child saying, well, you're not allowed to discipline me. You're not right, my mother. Right, right. That's the other of, part of it. You yeah. know, and you can see the child side. You certainly can see the step-parent side of, yep. you know, hey, I'm doing absolutely everything I can here. Yeah. So it's amazing. Once again, we did not finish. <laughs> no, but I like it. Hey, people, Barb, this is why people. I like what you're, you're what you're doing. And Lynn, you agree. We talk about this. Yes. It's the it's the fluff that goes along with it, like per, from personal experience. People want to hear that, not yes. just you know. So it it does. It works out. It works out beautifully. So how many do you have now? Two more Two for more next to go. time. We might make it. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Myth number nine, being very unhappy at certain points in your marriage is a good sign that the marriage will eventually end in divorce. And they said, not true. All marriages have highs and lows. And just because you're going through a tough spot doesn't mean that you're going to end in divorce. Mm -hmm. And that's true. I mean, with every relationship and particularly people expect a lot out of their marriage. You know, you want to be best friends. You want to be lovers. You want to be good parents. You want to. And you know what? Some people can't fulfill absolutely everything to 100%. No. So, I mean, it is particularly challenging. Uh-huh. And what they say is you can't necessarily predict divorce. And right. some people aren't going to get divorced no matter how bad things are. And it has to be some kind of nuclear event before they'll they'll do something. Right. And the last, just to get this in. Okay. Okay. It's usually the man who initiates the divorce proceedings. And this said statistically, two-thirds of all divorces are initiated by women. All right. I, I don't know if I agree with that, but... Um, at least equal amounts. There you go. And I see a, a lot of women that initiate and say, he's never going to file. He's an alcoholic. You know, they're not, he's not going to file, but we've been unhappy for uh-huh. years. So there okay. we go. Number 10. All right. Number it's 10. We, we, we concluded that. There you go. And Barbara, tell everybody how they can meet, get, get to you if they need any help. Okay. I'm located in Dunmore. My office is at 1421 East Drinker Street. My name again is Barbara O'Hara. I've been practicing family law for 36 years. I practice in Lackawanna, Luzerne, Susquehanna, Wyoming, and Wayne. And I can be reached at 570-344-7171. And Barb, when they, when they meet with you, they meet with 
with you. Yes, yes. which is really nice. I have nice. two partners that do not yeah. want to do family law. Uh-huh. So you which call is really for me, nice, you get me. Sometimes that doesn't work, so there you go. All right, well, thank you, Barbara. Thank you. And, uh, and Merry will... Christmas to everyone. Oh, yeah, thanks. Same to you. Anyway, same to you, Barbara. And we will be back next week. We want to thank you for listening. And, and I'll um, see you in the new year. New year, yeah. Uh-huh. Yay, yay. And we will see you soon. So thanks again. Have a great weekend. Be safe and please be nice. Bye. Bye. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.